powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello there, Duvall Nation. Hi there. Hey, hello. Hi. Thanks ever so much for that warm welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please sit down. Thank you. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. I'm your host, Derek, and we are about to embark on another 45-minute journey to meet an incredibly interesting and accomplished person. Before we get started, though, what's been going on with me? Well, with the Six Nations tournament over, I have a big, giant rugby ball-shaped hole in my heart, and the Welshman in me has a giant bruise on his jaw from just getting the crap kicked out of this tournament, which, even if you have a passing interest in rugby, you should know the standard of Welsh rugby, with its history, based on how we did this year, is a complete disgrace. So, looking to find something to fill that time, I've never been a huge baseball person. I mean, I'll go to the games with a few friends of mine and, and enjoy, but I'm not like one of those people who just passionately follows the sport. Uh, I don't enjoy fishing. I would like to get better at golf, so I don't lose a whopping course record 22 balls. But after this episode, what I will tell you is I'm tempted to go down to a local dojo and start learning some martial arts. Why is that, you ask? Well... Welcome to episode 49. Continuing our tribute to Women's History Month, we have on the show the queen of martial arts and Hollywood action star, the legend herself, Cynthia Rothrock, is with us. We cover Cynthia's prolific career and so much more. Believe me when I say this lady has done it all. So let's not waste a second longer. Let's get her out here. Duval Nation, please welcome to the show direct from California, a truly remarkable woman the queen of martial arts herself, the amazing Cynthia Rothrock. Hello, welcome to the show. This is truly a great honor for me and my listeners. Uh, how has the weather been out by you today? I, it's, it's cool, but it's sunny. So just like in the past week, we're here in California. You know, we've been having some pretty cold weather, especially at night. You know, most people think California is all sunny, but now nah, it gets down to like about 30 degrees. <laughs> I lived in San Diego for a little while when, uh, when I was in my 20s. And uh, I remember this time of year, it's, you know, it's 55, 60 degrees in the day and it'll drop down to about, you know, 41, 30 degrees. It's a, it's, it fluctuates. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You never know the weather. Tomorrow it could be like 70. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, I always start my interviews with the same question, and that is, how has it been for you to navigate this crazy COVID-19 world so far? Well, you know, in the beginning, you know, we've been in it for two years almost now, so, you know, we're used to it. But in the beginning, it was really tough for me because I'm kind of always uh, working or traveling and, you know, I'm not home as much. And then I was home like every single day. I just decided to do a, a fitness regimen that I, you know, I went out and got some different equipment that I didn't have. And I focused on that. I focused on um, my YouTube channel, my website, you know, tried to get more creative in that time. And uh, now, you know, it's a little bit back to working, you know, I'm glad I'm teaching seminars again and doing films that's opened up. Uh, but, uh, you know, we just have to adjust to what the situation, you know, bestows on us. 
That's very true. Um, like I said, I, great to hear that you've been so active. I, other people that I've had on my show, you know, they they started learning an instrument. Some wrote a book. So I like to hear that people have been very productive. Yeah, I think it was good in a way that you know we've all learned how to use internet better and <laughs> Zoom calls and podcasts and yeah. uh, you know got to work on those little projects that we kept putting off. So I like to start at the beginning. And you were born in Wilmington, Delaware, but grew up in Scranton. Am I correct? Correct. Uh, what was it like growing up for you? You know, uh, I was an only child, so I was very close to my mom and dad. I loved growing up in Scranton. You know, it was a small town, and you kind of knew everybody there. And um, I was kind of like a tomboy when I was little. My dad, you know, wanted a boy, but he got a girl. So he used to take me fishing, and we'd play baseball and taught me how to swim. And, you know, pretty much my mom worked. Like, she worked, like, from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., so... I was kind of with my dad most of the time, except on Sundays. So kind of was like a daddy's girl, you know, still have my ties back there. And I still love Scranton, you know, and one of the things I want to do is kind of do a, a show on me going back to Scranton and show everybody all that, you know, this, the town has to offer. So you said mentioned earlier, your, you know, your father had you a very physical exercise kind of growing up. At what age did you decide you want to get interested in martial arts? I started when I was 13. Basically, you know, I was always physical, like, you know, just doing your everyday adventures. And my girlfriend's parents were studying Kung Sido and they owned a health club. And we used to come in on Sunday and just kind of mess around in the big room. And that was the time to clean all the equipment. And uh, I would see them practicing. And I thought, wow, that's really unusual, you know, because I didn't know what it was. You know, the uniforms looked different to me. And I thought, how cool is that, you know, learning how to defend yourself with your hands and your feet. And I was kind of always the out of the box kind of kid. Anything that was unique or different, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And that's what got me started. I went to their school and signed up at the Scranton Karate School. Now, you are considered, a, no question about it, a trailblazer for women in competitive martial arts. How does it feel to be such an inspiring role model of throughout your career? It's something that's very endearing to me because, you know, I feel like, you know, when you're doing things, you don't even realize you're doing it. You know, I remember like I was the first woman on the cover of Karate Illustrated magazine. And then you realize later on, wow, I opened the door for other women or in competition. You know, I remember when I was competing, women used to say to me, you know, can you wear lipstick while you're doing martial arts? And you're like, yes, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> you know, because uh, there was just different um, misconceptions about martial arts and that martial arts was like a man's sport. And I've had many people tell me uh, from watching my films that they started in martial arts because of that. And I love that because I really do believe everybody should know how to defend themselves. So uh, I feel that's a great legacy for me is that I have helped many people uh, get started on their journey in martial arts. So that's awesome. I love, I like to hear that. That's you're, it's, you're very humble. I, I like that. So uh, when you are in martial arts, what is your favorite weapon of choice? Uh, it has to be the double hook sword. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a Chinese weapon, and there's like nine different weapons attached to it, and you do two at once. And when I saw that, like I said, you know, I never saw anything like that. It was a rare weapon, and you could hook them together and make them one long weapon. And uh, I always went for challenges because it was quite difficult, you know, to perform with them. And I even went over to uh, mainland China to get more 
proficient with a double hook sword. So I, I would say I love all the Chinese weapons. That was my one reason why I switched from Tung Sudo to Kung Fu was because I wanted to learn weapons. And at that time, Tung Sudo didn't have any weapons. So I was just really obsessed with uh, becoming a weapons master. <laughs> you know, you said that, uh, that you went over to uh, China. A lot of famous martial artists, uh, they seem to have made that that choice to go over there and, and learn a discipline of some kind. Do you feel that going over there has made you uh, a better um, martial artist? Or do you think that, you know, learning it back here in the States, uh, maybe it was kind of a disadvantage? You know, it's different training over there. Um, I could say it definitely has made my concept of training uh, better. Uh, I wouldn't say it made me a better martial artist because, you know, there's so many great instructors in the United States and it's all about your instructor. I mean, what it did for me is I uh, really wanted to learn Wushu. Mm. And this was back in 1982 and nobody was really teaching that. And you couldn't even really get into China then. Uh, my instructor, Roger Tung, got uh, specific uh, permits for us to go over there. And it was still like really bizarre because I remember I... Uh, pulled out an L magazine and I was going to give it to one of the female instructors. I said, oh, no, no, we can't have that. We can't have that. So it was a whole different world back then. And we were training, you know, six days a week uh, from like 6 a.m. until maybe uh, 6 p.m., like nonstop, really, really hard. It was a different kind of training for me. It was different kind of movements for me. It was different kind of performance for me. So I am like a sponge. Whenever I see something that someone has to offer, I will take that and try to make it uh, my own or to improve my own uh, martial arts. And I always tell people, you know, people sometimes at that time, you know, it wasn't like you could mix styles, but now, you know, it seems like everybody is. But I always say, you know, when you go to a seminar, if you could pick one thing from that seminar that's going to help you, that seminar was worth it. And, you know, going over China, I obviously picked up many, many things that helped in my training. So you hold black belts in different disciplines. Which would you say was the hardest one to master? The most difficult one, I would have to say probably was the wushu. Mm. Uh, because it's very acrobatic. It's very hard on your knees. It's hard on your body. <laughs> the weapons were very dangerous. You know, you have to be pretty athletic, you know, to do it. So I would say, yeah, probably out of all the styles I've studied, that one had some of the most challenging uh, movements that I learned. How did competition success lead to venturing into acting? Uh, well, let's see. The first time I did anything, it was a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial. <laughs> and I was, on, I was on the cover of Karate Illustrated. And basically, uh, they had a theme that they wanted all the best in five different sports uh, to represent Kentucky Fried Chicken. So they went to a magazine stand and they were looking to see who was the top in different fields. And luckily, I was on the cover that day and they called me and I did this commercial saying, I'm Cynthia Rothrock. I'm number one in martial arts and Kentucky Fried Chicken is number one in chicken. <laughs> so that was like the start of it. And then I got calls when it aired from different people like to do movies and stuff like that. Nothing really happened from that. It wasn't until Paul Maslick uh, used to be the editor of Inside Kung Fu. I was training with the West Coast demonstration team under Ernie Reyes. And he said, hey, there's a Hong Kong company here and they're doing auditions. They're looking for the next Bruce Lee. Uh, bring all your guys down. And uh, Ernie said, well, should we bring the girls? He goes, yeah, you can bring the girls, but they're really looking for a guy. So we all went from San Jose down to Los Angeles, you know, and I auditioned for Corey Yoon, you know, which is, you know, 
brilliant genius uh, director, choreographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there doing it, and he said, I'm going to go with a girl instead of a guy. So he mm-hmm. chose me, and a year and a half later, I was off to Hong Kong uh, to do my first movie. So you, well, you would say you pretty much you, you had got really, you know, your foot in the door pretty early on. That's That's pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, and I didn't know anything. I just remember that I went inside, inside the studio and they had a Kentucky Fried Chicken store completely built inside the studio. And I was like, oh, my gosh, look at that. And then they were like, OK, here's two hundred dollars. You can go have dinner. And I'm like, two hundred dollars. I'm going to get a ten dollar pizza and I'm going to have one hundred ninety dollars. left. I mean, it was, it was an experience for me, you know, and it's funny because, you know, when I was younger, I used to watch the Jackie Chan movies. My teacher, Shum Leung from uh, Eagle Claw, uh, I would train with him every Sunday. And after class, we would always go have food in Chinatown and go see a Kung Fu movie. So this is when I was introduced to Jackie Chan. And I used to go home and I used to try to practice like like some of the movements I've seen him do. And one of the things I was really, really impressed with is like how he could take any apparatus, like a telephone and make it like a whip or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I would do that. And I would just, you know, he was like my hero and I never really thought I was going to do movies. I mean, it was never really, really my goal. And it just kind of, you know, fell into place. And I always think, you know, we have a destiny that, you know, uh, God wants us to do and it's up to us to find it. And I feel that was my calling, you know, that I didn't know. And now I know it was because, you know, I've been doing martial arts now, geez, gosh, for for over 40 years. And it's just, it's just been my life. You know, I love what I do. And uh, I feel very blessed, you know, to have found my right path, you know, which, you know, I might, I might not have went that way. I think I probably at that time, I was probably going to open up a health club and, and, you know, teach. Uh, exercise and, and go into you know the exercise kind of world <laughs> you mentioned jackie chan uh who are your other acting aspirations well let's see at that time let's see i like sam Hung. i watched sam Hung, uh bolo young you know most of my uh people that i've seen in film you and view were from the chinese movies because that's mm-hmm. the ones i saw then uh later on i was introduced to uh, uh, other movies like Bruce Lee, he was, he already passed, but then I started, you know, going, wow. I mean, look at how his charisma is and look at how he does his movements. And I always like to study people on film that I feel I could learn from. And Bruce Lee was one of them, you know, um, I, I guess like early on are still the fond memories that I have of these people, you know, uh, Chuck Norris was a big thing. Like he was the first uh, martial, well, yeah, first martial artist really to get a TV series. You know, and I used to watch the Kung Fu series with David Carradine, even though David Carradine wasn't prominent in martial arts, he knew some, but uh, not right. like a real martial artist like we are. So it was, it was like really exciting to see someone from the martial art world, you know, having a TV series. <laughs> <laughs> You've done obviously many movies. Who was the best co-star you've worked with so far? Oh boy, that's really hard because I have so many. It's really, really hard. But I, I know I've done many, many movies with Richard Norton because we have we're really good friends and we have a good chemistry together. I've done a lot of movies with Don Wilson. You know the same thing. Uh, Vincent Lynn. You know, um, I would say those three that I've worked with that we are today still the best of friends. What would you say is the uh, hardest part of choreographing a fight scene? taking the hits 
<laughs> taking the hits is the hardest part. I mean, to, to figure out the moves, but get the timing and do it fast and do it powerful. You know, you're mm -hmm. always, you know, there's going to be injuries. You're going to get hurt, even though, you know, you, you try not to. But when you're there, especially, you know, when you're doing Hong Kong film, because they like you to hit really hard and they want you to get really hit really hard. So I'd say yeah, that's, that's the hardest part, you know. And just continue on fighting, even though you you know you just got hit in the nose with the sword. <laughs> <laughs> so I told my listeners that you were coming on the show, and I had them submit some questions. I picked my four favorite. Okay. Okay. So let's do this. So we'll start with number one. Uh, if you were asked to join the Expendables cast, would you do it? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, oh, there's there's no question about that. I actually thought I should have been in the first one because they had all the male stars you know, from my era. And I was yeah. like, well, where, where am I? Where's the female in that? <laughs> so absolutely. And I'm still hoping to this day that Stallone, his company will call me and say, yeah, you know, it's about time we get Cynthia in there. What are your favorite memories working with Corey Haim? Um, when I worked with Corey Haim on Fast Getaway, he was young. He was like 19 years old. And uh, we got along quite well. And I really admired him because of his acting, you know, here I am, I'm coming from a martial art world, uh, you know, I haven't done that many English movies at that point. And I was just watching him. I think what I learned from him is that he would outlive his lines. And I was like, oh my God, you could go off the script, you know, you could change that, you know, <laughs> to make it more your own. And I remember one of the things I'll never forget is that I was doing a fight scene with him and I had to kick him in the chest and I had heels on. So I told him, I said, Corey, I said, put on uh, a pad. And he's like, no, 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 I could take it. I said, no, even if I just touch you with this spiky heel, it's still going to hurt, right? He's going, no, he wouldn't put a pad on. So I, you know, tapped him. I didn't hit him hard, right? And everything was fine. We continued the scene. And the next day, the, the associate producer comes running up to me, going, what did you do to Corey? I said, what are you talking about? He's, he has a punctured lung. I said, what? <laughs> yeah, you punctured his lung with your heel. I said, I did not, right? And, and we can't shoot today. And I felt really bad. Then I go over and I see Corey, you know, and at that time we had those old boom boxes, you know, mm -hmm. and he's dancing and stuff. I said, Corey, I said, what the heck? What are you telling people? He goes, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I just didn't want to go into work today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thanks a lot. <laughs> That's crazy. Speaking of crazy, uh, what is the craziest thing you have experienced in Hollywood? I think the extremely dangerous, incredible stunts they make me do in Hong Kong. I wasn't like a stunt person when I went over there. I was just a martial artist and uh, they had me do things like jumping off uh, three-story buildings with, with fake high heels on and a fake baby in my hand and an explosion going on behind me. And Corey Yoon saying to me, now, when I say action, if you don't jump, you're going to get engulfed in these flames. Oh, wow. And I remember like, I remember looking up at the building going, oh yeah, that don't look so high. Well, then when I got up to the top of it and looked down, I had a different perspective. I was like, oh my God. I was like, my heart started panicking and stuff. And I just remember I was like, go, go, go. And, and that was just like one instance of the stunts that I've done there. So I think that's the craziest. I mean, the craziest thing. I mean, I was in danger so many times and could have killed myself, you know, oh, when wow. I look back at it. But when I see these movements today, I'm like, going oh my god look at that and I'm like oh wait a minute that was me you know and I'm, I'm like I just remember you know how difficult it is and the thing is is that I think I was so successful in Hong Kong movies because I would do whatever they told me you know and I was just like I'm going to be tough and I'm going to I'm not going to be like the woman that like is afraid to do that I'm going to do this I'm going to do it better than the guys you know <laughs> so I tried my hardest and even though I was like 
very fearful on the inside, like, you know, like almost hyperventilating. I still did all these stunts. So I, yeah, that's the craziest thing is doing those stunts that like, there was one stunt I did on Millionaire's Express and Samo had me wired and I did like three kicks. And, and I remember coming back here and they're going, how did you do that? Even the stunt people, I said, I had a wire on and they're like, they couldn't see it, you know? So like, yeah, very, um, yeah. For the listeners out there, if you get a chance to see some of the Hong Kong movies, I think you can see them all free now on uh, like Jungle Plus or uh, YouTube. But yeah, those stunts are real. <laughs> awesome you know it's i was just like you're saying that i'm just sitting to myself thinking like sitting down to a meal with you must be just like listening to like an encyclopedia of like some of the most you know best hollywood stunts and some behind the scenes uh stories that's that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah i think one of the things i wanted to do you know one i want to do a biography book but what i want to do is just stories on behind the scenes on movies you know mm -hmm. because everyone has some crazy unbelievable like stories or funny stories that has yeah. happened so that's kind of that's kind of in my mind of something to do in the future yeah. uh last fan question and that is uh what's your opinion on fight scenes in movies today uh i think uh they've gotten much better i think there is very strong influence on hong kong movies um what we saw before prior to that is the typical, you know, bar fighting, you know, punch them, knock them out like that, which I like too. I like all kinds of fighting as long as it's good and it's real. Um, one of the things I really hate is like you see a lot of movements like, and they're fancy and stuff and, and it ruins it for me because I look at it going, oh, they break their foot, their foot is in the wrong position or that's not powerful or that's, you know what I mean? I'm very critique of uh, martial art movies, but uh, you know, I have to say like some are really good. Like I really like the action in the Kingsman and uh, in Sherlock Holmes when uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. did the Wing Chun, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, certain, it, it depends, you know, it's not all good. Like sometimes I look at it and go, oh, that's unbelievable. That wouldn't work. You know what I mean? But it depends on the film, but I, I do say there's definitely been a progression you know, and I do think it's from uh, the Hong Kong influence of uh, action movies. I think for me personally, like, I mean, I remember growing up uh, watching, you know, action movies in, in the 80s. But uh, for me, uh, I think the pinnacle for what probably started the, the craze of Hollywood uh, martial arts stunt work is probably The Matrix. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and, you know, Corey Yoon, who's the director mm -hmm. that I was talking about that I worked with, he was the choreographer for them. For me, I remember first time I saw that, I'm like, wow, this is this is incredible. I'm sure it probably inspired a generation of, you know, uh, aspiring martial artists. Oh, yeah, I, I do. I think so. I think uh, a lot of people uh, get inspired by seeing action pictures. And, you know, a lot of women have told me, oh, my boyfriend's dragged me to watch one of your movies. And, and I really loved it. Now I want to do martial arts. So I think, you know, it's very inspiring, you know, for people to want to want to learn, learn the art. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a brief break, but we'll be right back in a few moments. Please use this time wisely to refresh your drink or do some of those nice big stretches. Ah! Enjoy these two promos from Friends of the Dark Duval Show, and we'll be right back. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam, the provocateur. And together we are the Spy Hearts Podcast. Every Tuesday, we decode the best and the worst of spy cinema to decipher if they make the knock list. That's right. The knock list is the need to see official classics of the spy genre. The best of the best, so to speak. Nobody does it better. From Born to Bond and Powers to Palmer, you can bet we will cover it. So subscribe now and revel in the audio equivalent of a smooth martini. 
Just search for SpyHards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S on all major podcast apps. And let's just hope you find us before we find you. You quit trying. Scarlet! You'll never win if you give in. But I just can't do it. Can you ride a bike? Well, sure I can. But could you at first? No, I had to practice for weeks. I think I'm getting the hang of it. That's because you hung in there. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Hi there, I'm Kyle Sutton. I'm Trisha Campbell. And we're the hosts of My Drunk Movie Theater. Join us every week as we go through the silly things that we wind up getting up to at our jobs working at a local multiplex. We also talk about all the current events that are happening in the movie world that affect us and affect you as the viewers. Trisha? We also get off topic quite a bit and we'll ramble, so there's that too. Yeah, well, you know, alcohol does that to you. So hit the subscribe button. You can follow us to listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, almost anywhere that your podcasts are available. Welcome back to episode 49 of the Derek Duvall Show. I hope you've all poured yourself a nice tasty beverage. Told you this interview was amazing. Trust me, we still got tons to cover yet, so let's not waste any more time. Duval Nation, strap on in, and let's get back to the conclusion of our interview with the Queen of Martial Arts herself, the legendary Cynthia Rothrock. Why do you think Fast Getaway became the cult classic that it has been? I think um, back at that time, Fast Getaway was more of a, I would say, like a mainstream movie than it was an action movie. Basically, that was one of the movies that almost became a theatrical. And it wasn't because of the action. It was more because of the stories, you know, and I was really the only action star in there. So, you know, it wasn't like what you see typical, you know, action actors, you know, doing all this fight. So I think the fact it was funny, it had a, a good story. And then here you have a woman fighting and it's like, wow, you know, what's that? And, and Lily, you know, that was the character. So I, I think, I think, you know, that's probably why it became like, kind of like cult films. I have one film that is a really cult film and it's horrible. It's one of the worst movies I've ever done. And I think it's so bad. Um, what was it called? Undefeatable. It was so bad that people love it and I remember they screened it in Hollywood and I went to the screening and they had a Q&A and everybody's like when's part two and I'm like never <laughs> you know and I'm like could you pick another movie but there's like 13 million views on it and I think because it's so cheesy and campy and, and stuff that you know I, I, I don't know like you know films become classics for different reasons but I think that one was because it wasn't an action picture but it had action in it and back in that time and and it was new for people to that weren't involved in action movies to see a woman fighting. Do you ever go back and watch any of your old movies? Never. <laughs> well, no, I shouldn't say never. I don't really. But once in a while, like I'll like just about last year, we were skiing and we're at with a group of people and they're like, let's watch one of your movies. And I was like, no, let's watch something else. They're like, no. And they put on Sword of Justice. So I sat there watching it. But yeah, no, I, I, I watched them once um, when they come out. You know, just to see how everything was, but I, I'm really not a not a big fan of watching my films on screen because, you know, I, I get critical. It's like, oh, I could have done that faster. Oh, the lighting was bad there. Oh, I look fat in that scene. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Throughout your career, uh, what would you say would be the hardest challenge you've had to overcome? 
I think just trying to get uh, on the same level as men. You know, someone just said the other day, I just read something. They said, you know, if, if Cynthia was a man, she would be like Van Damme or Jackie Chan or Jet Li, you know, up in the A-list of things. But because you're a woman, you're not. And I think I've had so many like like challenges, you know, when I was competing I never had a weapons division that was just women. I always had to compete against the men, you know, like things like that. And also I went through so much like, well, you know, my first uh, English movies, you can't be the hero because, you know, the guy has to come and save you and women in action don't sell. And, you know, it's been a hard road like to, to get up there, like say, like on the level of Seagal or Van Damme, you know, and it definitely wasn't because of the skill. It was more because you're a woman. So I think that was probably one of the hardest factors is, you know, competing there. And uh, today, I think it's so much better, you know, than, uh, you know, I'm still doing films today. Uh, but even, you know, back when I was like, at like doing like, you know, six, six movies a year, you know, it's still a lot of the times is like, you know, well, the guy's got to come in and save you. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us about being inducted into the International Sports Hall of Fame. I read, if I remember correctly, is it Arnold Schwarzenegger was involved as well? Yes, uh, it's uh, put on by Dr. Robert Goldman and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And very, uh, this is like, not like any of your other Hall of Fames, like you, they induct you. And it's for all sports, all kinds of sports. And I was the first martial artist to be inducted into it, which I was very proud about not just the first female, but the first martial artist. So it was very, an award that I hold really dear to my heart because it's something that you can't just get. You have to really, really work hard and contribute to the community and, you know, more than, you know, just getting all these trophies or whatever. So there's a lot to it. So I was very, very proud of that and very honored, you know. Uh, It was fun for me to get the award by Arnold. (laughs) (laughs) Is he as cool as he seems? Yes, he is. Awesome. And funny. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you mentioned the challenge earlier. Um, you have the moniker of the queen of martial arts. I mean, you, you hear that, you know, how does it make you feel? Well, at first, you know, I used to get embarrassed and going, oh, no, don't call me that. And I think Michael Masuda gave me that, uh, started that with a martial art history museum, you know. And then after the years and the years, it became more endearing to me instead of like, oh, no, I'm not a queen. You know what I mean? I, I I look at it fondly instead of being like like embarrassed by it, you know. And it's just like you know, it's a, it's a term of love, and I I actually uh, am very honored now that you know people call me the queen of martial arts. So when you aren't being one of the best martial artists in the world, what do you do for fun and relax? I like extreme adventure. Really? I um, yes, I like skydiving and rock lot climbing of- and stuff like that. Oh, yes, I do all that. I trekked to Everest Base Camp. I did the W Trek Machu Picchu. I did uh, Mount Fuji. I just, a couple years ago, I bungeed off of, in New Zealand, off of the, the bridge, the Harbor Bridge. I just started scuba diving. Um, I've already, I've been diving for a year. I have over 105 dives. <laughs> I'm going on a backpacking trip uh, right after Christmas in Death Valley. So, uh, very adventurous. I like kayaking. I like uh, white water rafting. Anything that's sporty or challenging to me, I love to do. And it's funny because, you know, on Facebook page, a lot of people follow me and I'm like hiking or, you know, I, or I'm doing some some sporty event or something. And they're like, don't you relax? And I was like laughing because I'm thinking this is my relaxing. <laughs> this is how I relax. So cage diving with great whites, is that in your future too? 
Well, I have uh, in Roatan, I did uh, many shark dives, you know, where you're going down and you have about like 25 California reef sharks that are maybe 10 feet long uh, swimming amongst you, you know, and they say, just keep your hands in. They're more curious, you know, and <laughs> that, that was pretty adventurous. Now, I do have a trip planned. It was postponed because of COVID to go to South Africa. And I was going to do the cage shark, you know, going in the cage with those great whites. But now it's not as climactic for me as that I've been swimming with them in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, and the funny thing is, if I would have saw a shark in the water before, I would have panicked. But for some reason, when you scuba dive and you, you look at the underwater world in a different way, you know, you're so excited to see them and you want to get close to them. And I have like pictures, like they're right on top of me looking at me eye to eye, you know, and it's, it's, you see those dark, dark eyes of the shark and you're like all excited instead of more like, ah, dark, you know, and I, I don't know what it is. It's just weird. I think if I was swimming by myself, you know, and I didn't have my scuba diving and I, and a big shark was coming along, I might not have been so excited, but I don't know, like the, when you're scuba diving, it just puts you in a whole different mind frame. When I first started scuba diving, a moray eel, a gigantic moray eel came out. It was like my third dive. I'm following my dive master, came out of a cave and went in between my legs. I was oh, petrified. Wow. I started like picking my legs up and my hands were failing. And all of a sudden my alarm was going off on my computer. My dive instructor turns around and afterwards he goes, no, no, if you see an eel, you've got to be calm because they're aggressive. And if they see you moving, they think you're aggressive. And now like today, like, you know, a year later, I look for them to take pictures of them and get, get, I could get close to them now because I know I'm not showing signs of aggression. So most of the time, you know, things will react if they think they're, they're in harm, you know, but if you just stay really calm, uh, you know, your, your mind frame is, well, maybe they just think I'm like a big black fish here. <laughs> <laughs> what's your Looking best advice? For, what's your best advice for someone who's going to jump out of a plane for the first time? Oh, uh, well, I, I love it. I did 20,000 feet in New Zealand. That's the highest you can go anywhere in the world. I mean, there's only like two places in the world. You could go 20,000 feet because you have to have oxygen, but the first time I did it, which I would, I would recommend people do like 13,000 feet, right? Um, that's what I did. And I was scared. You know, my friends got it for me for my birthday. And I had to drive uh, like about an hour to get to the place. I must have stopped at five restrooms on the way. <laughs> I was so nervous. <laughs> I couldn't sleep the day before. I waited till the day before my, my certificate was expired, like almost a year. But um, one thing I did that was great is they had a wind tunnel. And they put you in it and you get the feel of what it's like, because when you first jump out for the first time, when that hits you, your face, your cheeks are flapping and, you know, it's like someone just threw a bunch of air in. So that was a good experience because I knew what it was going to be like. And I just loved it. I loved it. When I did the 20,000 feet, that one was a little freaky for me because I had to have oxygen on and then you take it off to jump out. And when I jumped out, we were so high. It felt like someone had a snowball and hit me right in the nose. And, wow. you know, it goes fast. You free fall, like I think, you know, for a very, very short time. But definitely it's, you know, when I did it for the first time, they were videotaping me. They were putting a video together. And I could even explain the euphoria you feel like doing this, you know, and you're tethered to someone. So you just make sure you go to a reputable place. And I remember I was so scared. I'm going up the plane. And I'm telling the guy behind me and I'm like, you sure you got me in there tight? And he goes, no, 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 I'm not sure. This is my first time. And I'm like, oh, that's not helping me. <laughs> you know? Of course he was joking, but yeah, it it is an awesome 
just an awesome experience. You know, if you've never done it, you know, you, you should at least do it once. So to all the young women out there, you know, who look up to you and are looking to start studying martial arts, what advice would you give them? You know, um, I would definitely say go and check out a couple schools and see which one works better for you because different styles appeal to different people, to different body types, how you want to move, see how the discipline is in the class, you know, see how the instructor holds his class. Because when you're first looking for a school, it's kind of hard. Everything looks good. You know, you don't know what they're doing. So you got to kind of get a feeling of the atmosphere and what it feels like. And uh, it's hard at first. It's very hard. Uh, a lot of people give up because they get really sore. They think they can't do it. But uh, one of the things martial arts has taught me, because I was in that position as a 13-year-old girl, I'm in a class with all men, and I feel like I can't shout, and uh, I, I can't do these movements, and uh, I wanted to quit. I really did, you know. And then my instructor gave a speech one day, and I thought he was talking to me, saying how quitters are losers, right? And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's what I am. I'm, I'm a loser if I quit. And I said, I just got to try hard. And he said, you have a, you got to change your attitude. Because I was like, oh, I hate push-ups, you know. And I started thinking, oh, my, I love push-ups because push-ups are going to make my my arms stronger, you know. They're going to get more defined. I love them. I love them, even though I really still hated them. But, you know, I changed my mindset. So you have to be positive about it. And no matter what it is, whether it's martial arts or you're doing a hip-hop class, everything's going to be hard at first. You just have to say, okay, I'll get it with time. I'll get it at my own pace. There's no rush, you know, and, and just stick with it. I think the benefits are just so outstanding because you're getting great physical exercise. But at the same time, you're learning how to defend yourself. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it really isn't that hard to defend yourself. It's a lot of uh, thinking. It's a lot of repetition. And it doesn't matter what your size or shape is. Uh, it's just what your technique is. So, I mean, how great is that is that you could be confident, you know, walking the streets, you know, knowing that you could protect yourself or protect a loved one. So it's priceless to me. So to me, I think everybody should uh, do it. It's occurred to me um, in the last couple of weeks when I was prepping for this interview, apparently there's a huge fan campaign to get you onto the uh, the show Cobra Kai. Have you heard about that? I have not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I would love to, I love that show. I would love to be on that. I, yeah. I have not heard that. So, yeah, yeah I, you know, <laughs> yeah, everybody's I was, out there, go for it. Yeah, why, I mean, why not, right? I mean, you know, shoot for the stars. That's a, that's a great show, and it's very popular. So It, you know, it is. I know Marty Cove, you know. So I, I know. I, and, you know, I'm not the kind of person, like, to, to say, hey, can, can you get me on that show, or can you do this? I just, I don't know what it is. I've just never been, like, that aggressive in my martial art career. You know, I stay more back and, like, behind the sidelines. But, I, yeah, I, I didn't know that. That's awesome because, I would, yeah, I would love to be on that show. So as we will start to wind things down, uh, what does the future hold for you? Well, um, I have a couple movies uh, set to do, uh, which is good. I'm always excited, you know, to work. I have a lot of adventures planned that I'm going to do. I have a new show I'm doing. It's called Black Belt Theater. It's with Black Belt Magazine. And uh, what we do is uh, my co-host, Stefan Johnson, who is a, a comic, he uh, and I review old martial art movies and talk about them. And it's actually kind of funny. We have different segments that we do when it airs every Saturday, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. And uh, we've already done 12 episodes. We're going to do more. And I tell you, you know, I, I love it because it gets me to watch the old movies. And even the ones that are like really bad, they're funny. 
<laughs> you know, like they're like, oh my God, so if I can't look at it, like this is a great action movie. I certainly can laugh about some of it, but I mean, we just did Return of the Dragon, you know, the iconic fight with uh, Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, you know, and, and it's, it's really kind of a fun show. And uh, I think in January, people will be able to watch all the other episodes, but right now you have to catch it Saturday, 6 p.m. Um, and it's like a Jungo Plus, it's an app that's free, so they could stream it for free. You mentioned Chuck Norris. Are you a fan of those Chuck Norris facts? Oh, all, all the funny little things they yeah. have? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We did we did something like that. And, and uh, my co-host, Stefan, was like, you know, talking like all about it. And I end up going, well, you know, you know, a, a rattlesnake bit Chuck Norris in the leg. And after three days, the rattlesnake died. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. My... Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's funny. So, yeah, we actually, when we're talking about Chuck Norris, we go through a bunch of those. So, someone the other day was bringing him up. We were at a dinner uh, conversation. Someone brought him up and was uh, Chuck Norris is the only man who can slam a revolving door. So, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're really funny. I'm all about comedy. So, anyway, I love like all those little quirky little things that <laughs> people say and do. <laughs> so, what is the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Well, uh, I'm really, really uh, prominent on Facebook. There's a lot of people out there that are pretending to be me, but uh, oh, wow. okay. the one, yeah, it's, it, and I, I try to, you know, and they answer is me and I tell Ooh. Facebook, that's not me, you know, and they, they say it's not against our standards. So the one that I'm on is, well, you could actually see, I have like, I think over 69,000 followers. And so that's okay. my page. And I post every day. So there's something current on it. And I think right now it has the black belt theater on. So mm-hmm. I really, really uh, strong on that on Instagram, Cynthia Rothrock, lady dragon on YouTube, uh, Cynthia Rothrock channel uh, is my, my YouTube channel. I have something new coming up. Uh, I'm starting a, the Cynthia Rothrock Association, which is not just for martial artists, but also uh, just fans. So that's going to be coming uh, actually launching next week on my website or on my yeah facebook page or on my website which is cynthiarothrock.com nice. <laughs> and then i'm also on twitter so uh yeah i'm, I'm everywhere except tiktok i haven't <laughs> technically been able to do that yet <laughs> people will be pushing me to do it i'm like i'm not i'm not right there yet for that so yeah i know you know and it's like i was talking to stefan the guy that co-hosts my um black belt theater and he has like over 6 million viewers on TikTok wow. and he's very funny. And it's like, you have to do it every day. I mean, he brought his like equipment with him to do something when we were in Vegas shooting, you know? And I'm like, oh, I just don't think I could do that every day. You know, like try to come up with something that's interesting or a funny no. video, you know? And he goes, yeah. yeah. And he goes, that's, that's how you get all the people every day. And I was like, oh, I think I'll stick to Facebook. <laughs> that's, that's basically just having a second job. That's the only way I can really chalk that up to i mean the the commitment to that that's wow that's incredible yeah really it really is a job yes so i like to end my interviews with my favorite question the question is this okay if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast what would be the one thing you would want to say to the people of earth be the best person that you could be that's good i like that yeah i think the world needs more of that well done that's a good answer now, <laughs> I, I try to follow that. And, you know, I try to keep positive and give people up with them in ways that I can. And, you know, we all go through negative stuff. We all go through crap. And, you know, life is not like always a bullet series, but, you know, yet we have to learn from that and move on and think of the positive, brighter side. So I, I always, you know, 
I always go for that. And, you know, like I said, be the best you can be. That means, you know, as far as, you know, physical thinking, you know, and everybody knows what their limits are. And you just, you know, you got, you got to just go for it. Cynthia, this has been a blast. Uh, thanks ever so much for taking the time to do this. It's, I know it was our schedules on Lottie. This has been a real pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Well, thank you so much. All right. Best wishes to you in the future. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the conclusion of episode 49 of the Derek Duval Show. I want to give a massive, gigantic thanks to Cynthia for being so generous with her time. Doing this show has given me the opportunity to speak and meet with truly remarkable people. And meeting Cynthia on this show has will go down as one of my all-time favorite moments. So just what an incredible woman. Thank you, thank you, Cynthia. By the time this airs, the Academy Awards will be over and we'll have a better idea of which films did well. There will be a reaction to the Oscars episode coming from Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies, including another episode after that where we review the just-released film The Lost City with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Lots of fun there. We are dropping episode 50 in a week, and I can't believe we've made it to the big 5-0. I have a really, really special guest ready to drop, and it's a great episode, especially if you were born in the 80s. I'll just give you a little hint. If you were born in the 80s, you're going to love this episode. Before we leave... I want to make an appeal on this platform. The other day, I witnessed absolute ugliness at a Best Buy store by where I live, where three men were harassing a lesbian couple. The words these men use should never be directed at another human being, let alone a human who is living their truth. For just one hour before you speak, think about every ramification that saying something hurtful to someone can happen. I bet you will give yourself a moment of pause. There's just no need for it. For the record, The Derek Duvall Show has long been a strong ally to the LGBTQ community. I will continue to be long after this episode airs and hopefully long after I'm gone. So I will leave you on that note. Nostar, God bless, and see you very soon. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.